0: instrumentalists that were actually much louder than sometimes they are, and I could still hear the voices over the accompaniment. I love that. I love that as a congregation. The only times I think, oh man, we're not singing very well, is when the song is brand new. But then after we've sung it a time or two, you catch on and you sing out. It's a great testament to, to the spiritual maturity of this church. Godly people sing and they sing out. That was not in my notes. Let's get to Exodus chapter 12. We're still in Exodus chapter 12 because it's kind of a long chapter. Uh, We'll begin in verse 43. Uh, Last week, Israel finally made their great escape. The Exodus happened. They plundered the Egyptians. How? Not by firing any shots of any sort. They plundered them by asking. You know, you've got that gold brooch that I really love. Can I have it? That gold ring, that gold chain, um, that silver setting. Can I have that? And they said yes to everything. The Egyptians gave them their gold and silver, gave them extra clothing. They plundered the nation. Israel plundered Egypt by asking. But God had said that would happen. He said, you're going to find favor with the people. You will ask and they will give. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't just up and leave, if you'll recall from last week. The Egyptians forced them out. They wanted them out. They gave them a sense of urgency. That final plague, the death of all the firstborn of Egypt, produced a sense of urgency in Egypt. They cried out, we're all going to die if they don't get out of here. And so they forced out the slaves, what a change, what a change, because they had suffered much, they had gone through uh, all, all the previous nine plagues, being shown, Egypt and Pharaoh, being shown that the God of Israel is powerful and is mighty, but it took this final plague, this intense plague to bring about this change. And that also was just as God had said. God told them that Pharaoh will let you go, but not until a strong hand compels him to do so. Now think about the the mix of emotions that God is producing in the Egyptians. There's definitely anger. It's anger at the Israelites It's anger at Moses because Moses is the central figure in calling these these plagues down, even though we know that God is the one who ordained all of that. There's probably an anger at Pharaoh because certainly word has gotten around that Moses has been giving Pharaoh opportunities to let the people go to prevent these plagues from coming. The Egyptians are angry. They're also fearful. They're afraid that at this point, We've lost so many animals. We've lost so much of our crops. Uh, We've lost the firstborns of our families. Surely we will all die. So there's anger, there's fear, and there's also favor. I don't know about you, but if I believe that someone else, someone is responsible in one way or another for killing my firstborn, I don't think I'm going to be generous with that person when they ask for my riches. That's exactly the mix of emotions that God produced in the Egyptians. And of course, as we noted last week, God does the impossible. That seems impossible. And from a human understanding, it is. But that's exactly what God said he would do. And that's exactly what God has done. All throughout Exodus, we've been seeing God do the impossible. Pharaoh tried to oppress the Israelites to keep them from growing so strong, but they continued to grow. Then he commanded all the Hebrew baby boys to be murdered, to be cast into the Nile, and God still overshadowed that. Remember the, uh, the, the nurses that were supposed to be helping the women give birth weren't actually killing uh, the baby boys as they were commanded to, and so fair, I'm getting myself out of order, you know what I'm saying though. He, he, one of the baby boys dead one way or another, He ordered the midwives to kill them. They wouldn't do it. He ordered the people to throw them into the Nile. And even in spite of that, God saved the one, Moses, to be the leader. And not only did he protect his life, he had Moses grow up in Pharaoh's own household, having all the education of Egypt, everything at his fingertips. So many examples of God doing the impossible, of God being in control of everything. Every little detail. There's a notion out there that God created but somehow just left everything in motion. Just set things in motion and then has his hands off. Read the Bible and that's not at all what you find. So then we get to the 10 plagues the 10 signs that would demonstrate to israel that god is on their side and demonstrate to egypt that their gods were powerless and that israel's god was the true god the end result includes the egyptians behaving in this very unexpected way that i already talked about so today we continue in the passage Uh, which is sort of a pause in the action. Last week, we started the exit, and in a couple more weeks, we'll actually continue the exit. And in this uh, little interim, in this pause in the action, Moses, the author inspired by God, kind of takes a moment to lay out some of the initial commands that the people need to know before receiving the complete law later. So this week, we have a bit of, uh, we have the, the Passover commanded expanded Uh, Just a little bit. So we get a a little bit more information as to what is required of the Passover. So I invite you to follow along as I read Exodus chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house, you shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that though the events we're reading about are thousands of years past, There are principles that you want us to know. There are things about your character that you want us to know and to apply to ourselves today. So Lord, help us to understand clearly how you want us to live in light of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I don't know if you know this, but last week was the Super Bowl. It's a pretty exclusive event. Did anybody go? The Andersons were gone, but that's not where they went. (laughs) No, no, the the, the Super Bowl is a pretty exclusive event. It's exclusive for one reason, because of the cost. Uh, According to the internet, which is where you can get all sorts of good information, uh, the average ticket price was $8,600 for one seat. That's not transportation to get there. That's not snacks while you're there. That is not staying at a hotel, that is just a ticket price. And we being in small town Iowa are like, oh, that's insane that anyone would pay that much money to watch a football game. And yet, there were people on waiting lists to get tickets. There were people who wanted to go but who could not. They were excluded. Why? Because the stadium only holds 61,000-some. There's a specific number of seats that they could sell. And so there were people who had the means, had the motive, had the desire, wanted to go to the Super Bowl, and they could not go. Others, let's be honest, the rest of us, were excluded because we just couldn't afford to do such a trip. There's a tension that we find both in life and in scripture, a tension. Attending the Super Bowl is actually a very inclusive event. Anyone and everyone is invited to come if they'll buy the ticket and if they get a ticket before they're all gone. It's an inclusive event so there's a a tension between Being inclusive, which the Super Bowl is, and being exclusive because at some point someone has to be excluded. They can't get there. There's this tension between inclusion and exclusion. Intuitively, we know this. For every event that we would advertise, for every event that we might want to go to that, that declares itself to, to say, everyone's invited, anyone's invited, please come. Uh, last week was the Super Bowl. Last week was also an, another church in town was dedicating uh, the upgrade to their, their pipe organ. And I went to that. And the first thing out of the pastor's mouth as he was introducing the guest organist that did this concert, the first thing out of his mouth was, you know, we really weren't sure how many people would come to something like this. And they weren't. Why? Because it was open to anyone, free of charge, but how many people want to go and hear pipe organ music? More than you might think. There was actually a pretty good crowd there when something is open to everyone, when there is this inclusion concept, there's also at some point going to be an exclusion. Being exclusive has a variety of meanings. If you're part of an exclusive club, that might make you think, oh, I've made it. By the way, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a part of an exclusive club. And although that might logically build pride into your heart, it should do the exact opposite. Because God, in including you in his program, in his body, the church, also means that he is excluding others. And what we find in our scripture today is that our God is an exclusive God. That's our big idea. We'll add to it a little bit at the end, but that's our big idea. Our God is an exclusive God. And at the same time that he is exclusive, he invites the foreigner and the stranger to join his exclusive group. So let's find this in the passage. This is not just me making stuff up. This is from the word of God. In verses 43 through 45, we see the provision for the Passover. As the Passover has happened, It has happened. The Passover, the death angel's gone through. God himself said, I will go through, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. But for any house that did not have the blood painted on the doorway, remember, the firstborn of the people and the firstborn of the livestock all died in that one night. The Passover has happened. The Israelites have taken the lamb into their homes, kept it, Kept it for the four days, slaughtered it, had the meal. The Passover has happened. Now that it's happened, now God is giving more information, a little more specifics. Verse 43. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, this is the statute, this is the unbreakable law of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it. Now, I mean, if you're looking at your Bible, you know the sentence doesn't end there. But it's very clear no foreigner shall participate in the Passover. Now, wait a minute. I thought God welcomed everyone. You know, far too many people have this sort of tangential relationship to God, and they believe that God is an all inclusive God, that He invites everyone. And is the invitation to everyone? Absolutely. Absolutely. But just because someone has a tangential relationship or or, or they, they rub up against people who have a relationship with God, maybe they grew up in a Christian home. Or maybe they'd say, oh, I used to go to church. And they could very easily mistakenly think that they are okay. But ladies and gentlemen, being in the presence of Christians does not a Christian make Just having a relationship with someone who has a relationship with God does not mean you have a relationship with God. Foreigners being in the presence of the Israelites did not make them one of God's chosen people. Now, remember from verse 38 of last week, remember as the Exodus is happening, it says that a mixed multitude also went up with them. 600,000 men of the Israelites and their women and their children, and a mixed multitude of non Israelites and everyone's cattle, all of them left. It doesn't say a handful of non Hebrew people, it says a mixed multitude. Who are these people? Are they native Egyptians, perhaps? Some, perhaps many. Are they resident aliens that have uh, migrated in from somewhere else? I mean, that's originally how the Israelites got there. They migrated in, perhaps. We don't know who they are specifically. What we do know is there was a multitude of people who were not from among the tribes of Israel. So what Moses is making clear here is that even though you are with us, you are exiting Egypt with us, does not mean that you can participate in the memorial of this event, the Passover. So the Lord said to Moses, verse 43, this is the statute of the Passover, no foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired worker may eat of it. Now, it's disconcerting to the contemporary Western mind to talk about slavery at all. Um, this is not a, um, a promotion of slavery. It's uh, the reality that there was slavery, that there were servants that were indentured. They didn't have freedom to leave their Uh, the family and if that was the case that slave that indentured servant that you had that has that has been serving you as part of your family if they will join through the rite of circumcision then they can participate so don't get don't get hung up on the slavery issue but revel in the fact that God has an opportunity for those who are with the Jewish people to join Circumcision was the sign of the covenant that God had instructed to Abraham centuries earlier. Remember earlier in Exodus chapter 4 when God nearly killed Moses. Moses was uh, so ill he was about to die and the reason was because he had not circumcised his son. Moses had disobeyed the command of God. He knew it. His wife knew it. And God was not going to fulfill his promise to make him a great leader over Israel if Moses continued in his disobedience. So as they're on the road, as they're traveling, God has made Moses uh, on death's door. And his wife circumcises his son and then Moses is healed. Circumcision was God's commanded sign for all the men who belonged to the tribe of of Israel. So in today's passage, if the slave, regardless of their ethnicity or background, if they will officially belong to the tribe of Israel through the means of circumcision, then they can genuinely belong. They can take part of the, the participation of the Passover. So uh, we're introduced here to the concept of the necessity of belonging to Israel in order to participate in the Passover. And we're going to get back to that in a moment. But in the meantime, verses 46 through 49, we talk more about the participants in the Passover. We have the bound, the people who are required to participate in the Passover. And we have the band, those who are not allowed to participate in the Passover. First, the bound, verses 46 and 47. Those, the people who are required to obey the Passover, here's how they have to do it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside of the house. You shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. In the middle of these little two sections that talk about the foreigner, uh, the the worker that would sojourn with you, the slave, in the middle of these two little sections that talk about the foreigners, we have the main part of the command that was also clearly communicated before the night of the Passover. And that is the lamb was not to, uh, after you've, roasted the the meat you were not to take any of it outside of the property it was to be burned leftovers were to be burnt you recall uh, from earlier, we learned that they were to choose a lamb that was appropriate for the size of meal that they needed. And if you were a, a small household, you would join a larger household, and then together you would eat that meal in that one house. You could combine households, at whatever, it, whatever it took to get the right number for the size of lamb. But there were to be no leftovers. And notably, in today's passage, it says, none of the bones were to be broken. That's the end of Verse 46. Earlier in the chapter, when the Passover was initiated, we were not given this detail. So this is additional information in this passage. So why would it matter if the bones were broken of this dead animal as you're eating it? Why would it matter? Sure, the lamb selected had to have no blemishes. We knew that already. And so we understood that a lame animal, an animal that had a broken bone to begin with, would not be fit for this meal. But why would it matter that if in roasting or preparing the meal, or if in eating of the meal, if a bone was broken? It matters not because of the Passover itself, it matters because of what the Passover pictures. The Passover pictures our one true sacrifice, Jesus. Jesus. The Passover was kept for many centuries before Jesus came, and Jesus with his one sacrifice fulfilled the sacrifice of the Passover. John, in writing his gospel, speaking of the crucifixion, talks about how Jesus was hanging on the cross and none of his bones were broken. John chapter 19, verse 36, says this: for these things took place that the Scripture might be fulfilled not one of his bones will be broken. That verse is referencing a verse in the Psalms, which is referencing the verse we're in right now. The Passover was a prediction that no bones of Jesus would be broken. John makes that connection for us. Jesus is the real Passover. The Passover was a prophecy for the real sacrifice. And as he was crucified, along with Two others, one on each side of him, as it was nearing sunset. Remember, the religious leaders didn't want the, the men to remain on the cross overnight because once the sun set, the Sabbath has begun, and they didn't want, they didn't want that to be going on during the Sabbath. And so the, the, the centurions, the, the soldiers, that's the word I'm looking for, went to the people on the cross, and they broke the legs of the men beside Jesus. But when they came to Jesus, they knew he was already dead. And so they did not break his legs. And they checked. Uh, The the Romans were, were excellent at killing and knowing when someone was dead. They pierced his side and out came blood mixed with water. They could tell by the way he was bleeding that he indeed was dead. Jesus, the Passover fulfilled would have no broken bones. So the picture, the type of Christ that was in the Old Testament, pictured by the Passover, would also have no bones broken. So those who were of the congregation of Israel, what a great word, a congregation, those who belonged to Israel. The congregation of Israel were required to fulfill the Passover each year in the prescribed manner. And they're given a little extra details in this passage from what they had before. But we also see in our passage the band, those who are unable to participate. Verse 48. If a stranger shall sojourn with you, in other words, if a stranger will go with you, will walk along with you, work alongside you, if they will sojourn with you and would keep the Passover, notice they would want to participate in the Passover, then let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Foreigners willing to become part of Israel by having their male circumcised could. There weren't other restrictions. It was circumcision and then you're part of us. By the way, of course, we're talking about the men. The elders of Israel would have discretion to bring into membership of Israel a single woman, okay, We're not going to get into all those details. So don't let the minor aspect of the law distract from the main purpose. The main purpose is to recognize that only those who belonged could participate. To participate in the Passover was limited to Jews only, either by birth and then circumcision if they were male, or by willfully joining those who could participate in the Passover were circumcised. Those who could participate in the Passover fulfilled, which is actually our communion service, That's, that is our memorial service like the Passover, the Passover meal. Those who would participate in the Passover fulfilled are those who are of the circumcision fulfilled. I know that was a lot of words. Just as those who could participate in the Passover were circumcised, those who can participate in communion are baptized. Baptism is the fulfillment of the, the circumcision rite of the Old Testament. The Old Testament law of circumcision was the outward sign of belonging to the community. And in the New Testament, church age, baptism replaces Circumcision as the individual's personal commitment, dedication, uh, personal testimony that, yes, I belong to God's community. The pattern is believe, baptize, and belong. Verse 49 emphasizes that the law is not going to make any exceptions. Actually, that's verse 48, sorry. Verse 49, though, emphasizes that there is just one law. Foreigners and strangers are excluded unless they follow through with the steps to become part of Israel. It says there will be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Uh, So the native would be the one born into uh, the the clan of Israel, the native would also be the one who has joined by way of circumcision. Remember earlier it said that those who would be circumcised would be counted as a native. So that that word is being repeated here to help us recognize that they're all counted as one. There isn't a distinction. There's one law. And if you are a native or have joined to become a native, you belong. And if you don't, you are excluded. In verses 50 and 51, we see the practice of the Passover. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. By the way, as we continue in the book of Exodus, there's gonna be many times where God gives a command and they don't all do what God commands. How different a book it would be if every time they, gave, they were given instruction by, by, by God through Moses and Aaron, if they would just obey and do it how much different the book of exodus would be what we're going to see is they're going to get out into the wilderness and they're going to run out of water and they're going to complain and they're going to say oh it'd been better if we were left back in egypt do they really believe that no they don't really believe that but their sinful hearts are going to be evident but in this case concerning the passover the people did obey And on that day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. Obedience to God is always the path to blessing. Obeying God's word is always the path of blessing. May not be blessings like the world will call them, okay? I'm not promoting a name it and claim it theology that says because I'm obeying God, I know that I'm gonna double my bank account this year. I know that I'm going to be able to afford this, that, and the other thing. No, that's not at all what I'm talking about. I'm talking about what God chooses to bless us with. The blessings of God come through the obedience to God. When people obey, they are blessed. When people disobey, they are chastised. They are chastened by God. The people obeyed and they survived the night of death in Egypt. The people obeyed and they were freed From their slavery. Our God is an exclusive God in all the ways that we understand exclusive. The ways that we like to understand the word exclusive. And also the way that we don't like to be excluded. God's word is clear regarding the pastor that if you belong, you are included. But if you do not belong to God's people, you are excluded and unable to receive the blessings associated with the Passover. My question for you is, do you belong to Jesus? Are you a part of his body? What evidence do you rely on to know that you do indeed belong? Are you trusting Jesus to be your saving sacrifice? Is Jesus himself your evidence of belonging? I'll give you a hint. That's the correct answer. (laughs) Okay. Or are we trusting in our own abilities, our own efforts, our own works? Are you trusting in the settled word of God or are you relying on your own wisdom and reasoning to convince yourself that you are okay with God? Again, being around someone who is God's child does not make you God's child. Our God is an exclusive God, and I want to add just one more thought to that big idea. God is an exclusive God, and he is a keeping God. He is an exclusive God, and he is a keeping God. Those who were circumcised belong to Israel and always belonged to Israel. Today, those of us who are believers, who rely on Jesus' sacrifice alone for our salvation, we belong to Jesus, and we always belong. Would you pray with me? Father, the word of God is so clear that in our natural state, we are spiritually dead. Paul Paul put it this way. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead souls are unable to do anything. Anything. Yet the passage continues that that God makes us alive in Christ through grace by faith, not by works that we do, but by believing in Jesus. Lord, I ask that if there's anyone here today who is still trusting in their own good works or or is it is trusting in the salvation of someone they know or someone they love but they haven't received the gift of salvation personally that you would convict them that you would awaken their soul to new life help them to believe and to receive the gift of salvation so that they too can belong Father, your word is also clear that either we are a part of God's exclusive body, the one that Jesus paid for, the, the one that Jesus himself is the head of, or we are outside. And all who are not a part of your body, all who are not believers in Jesus Christ will one day stand before our great Savior and judge. The word of God tells us that he will look at them and say, I never knew you. Lord, those are horrifying words. Lord, I pray that you would use your word to challenge us, for the believer to challenge us to continue to share the gospel with those who are currently being excluded. And for the unbeliever, Lord, I pray that you would bring them to life today. Oh, Lord, we love you. You are worthy of our complete devotion. You are worthy of all of our worship. Help us to give it not only in these remaining moments of our worship service together, but throughout every moment of our days. In Jesus' name.